This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. And I'm really happy to have today's guest, Kathy Bellargin. And she's dubs herself as the chief Kathy officer, which we'll find out more about what that means. But she's going to talk to us all about, you know, business, entrepreneurship, how to land clients and shedding your employee mindset for bigger things, delegation, solopreneur to CEO. And I'm really happy to have guests such as Kathy on the show to add some spice to the um, traditional content. So Kathy, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm uh... It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So one thing I'm very curious about is what is Chief Kathy Officer or Virtual Kathy? What is that? So Virtual Kathy is my U.S.-based virtual assisting agency, and we support hundreds of small business owners and nonprofit organizations uh, across the country, as well as uh, several other countries. And, um, you know, it's just a play on words. You know, why be in business if you can't have a little bit of fun with it? Um my team of 20 VAs on my uh, on my team, they a lot of them they like to dub themselves Kathy's, right? Uh-huh. Virtual Kathy, they're Kathy's. So I am chief Kathy officer over over my team. <laughs> yeah, so and I love how if you can make it funny or you know, kind of create a play, it makes things more enjoyable as opposed to just you know, kind of dry and serious. Um which brings us to this um, this uh, next question is um, this idea of because um, I love this uh, how you named your assistant um, Kathy and there's you know with GPTs and a lot of these uh, AI bots now it's going to really change things. So first theme I like to talk about is navigating the virtual shift and um, with increasingly remote work demand for virtual assistants has soared. And so from your perspective, what are key factors driving this shift and how has Virtual Kathy adapted its service to meet these evolving needs? Virtual assisting, I see it as really a a great alternative to just traditional employment, right? Um, There's so many people who are working online nowadays where it does seem a little, you know, strange for them to have like a remote, remote staff. Um, remote business, they're not housing anybody, but ultimately that's kind of the, you know, that's the name of the game these days, which is really nice. Keep overhead low. Um, But ultimately um, I found just in my own local business community that business owners were so inundated with admin tasks and 
a lot of times they didn't even have even part-time work for somebody to that they could hire somebody right and usually with that traditional employment setting you feel like you should probably hire somebody at least 25 hours per week and so the great thing about virtual assisting is that it's really it's a little bit more on demand and it has more opportunities to get even daily support that you need without feeling like you have to really put your like your your business profitability on the line by hiring somebody part-time or full-time so you can hire somebody as as low as 10 hours a month and still have some of that admin burden taken off your plate without feeling that number crunch of having so many hours and trying to have to come up with so many hours and so much work for that person to take on. And I love this idea where in this idea, in this virtual world, people are looking for work and this is kind of like VA, you can VA on the side and kind of add some side income, um, which in a lot of business owners, they could free up, if it frees up 10 hours to do bigger things where you can pitch, you know, land a, you know, uh, you know, a large contract or a large client that's, you know, that would be money worth, well worth spends, yeah. which leads me to this next question is this um, shedding your employee mindset for bigger things, because a lot of the audience out there are so used to doing things themselves. They're just like, yes. oh, I'll just do it. I'll just, and then they can't, they can't delegate and um, they don't trust. And it does, it kind of limits them because it, 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 they have to, be micromanaging and add stress. So kind of talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I I feel like the majority of people who get into business, they've most likely been an employee. And whether they liked that dynamic or not may have something to do with the fact that they go into business for themselves. But it's really difficult for them to get out of that employee mindset where, like you said, they feel responsible for doing everything. And they have this mindset of like, well, if I can do it, I should be doing it. And then they just come get completely inundated with the mundane and the daily work and the daily tasks. And it really hinders them from being able to grow and scale and focus on what, one, they love doing in their business, what really prompted them to start their business, but then two, like, what are they really good at that no one else can really do? I bet it's not admin work, right? <laughs> you know, I bet it's whatever service they're providing. And so getting to that place, there's definitely that shift that has to happen in order for somebody to grow and for their business to grow where they're like, okay, if you're stepping into that CEO role, that means you do need to start delegating and you got to figure out what works best for you. And you need to shed some of that just regular stuff that somebody else can do. And it's tough because so many people are like, oh, I'm a business owner and they kind of have some control issues. Let's just be <laughs> honest, right? <laughs> but me. then if you really want to become the business owner and that CEO, you've got to let go and be able to delegate to people who's much better suited and fit to take care of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really this idea of just um, control and because a lot of physicians, like I said, they're just so used to doing everything themselves and they're, we're, they're, we're perfectionists. So it's like, it's like, if you can get the job done like 80% and you can pay like, you know, 15 bucks an hour, saves you an hour, 
your hours, you know, your hours worth probably, you know, four or $500 per hour. You could use that to, you know, do bigger, better things. So, um, you just take it out of the cost of how much you're, you're making per hour. So the next question is the follow-up question is, um, this mastering the art of delegation and you have this, um, not so subtle art. And so share some insights in the common barriers entrepreneurs face when it comes to delegating tasks. Um, what strategies do you recommend for overcoming these hurdles to enhance productivity and business growth? Yeah, absolutely. Most business owners could attest that they have ha had these common um, excuses as to why they don't delegate, right? So one common excuse could be, I could do it better, right? Or it's going to take me longer to train somebody than if I just did it myself. Or, you know, there's no reason why I shouldn't do it. I have time in my day to do that, right? So yeah. we're telling, we're giving ourselves all of these excuses as to why we shouldn't be delegating. And the, the reasoning is, you know, whether it's control, whether they feel like they can't afford it, whether, you know, they have to kind of figure that out, right? But ultimately, delegation is a skill set. It's not something that people are just inherently born with and they just know how to do and they have such an easy time doing it. And they'll have to figure out what's going to work best for them when it comes to delegating. There's a lot of people out there that want to support your business in some way, whether that's admin, marketing, whatever. And yeah. so finding the best person that can really enhance your delegation skill set, wherever it is, right, um, is going to be the best practice, right? So for example, if you want somebody to um, you can hire and they kind of know exactly what they should be doing on a daily. And you just really need to, need to like give them some limited verbal, you know, uh, reminders, then you're probably going to pay a little bit more than if let's say you are the type of, you know, type a already have written processes down and you just want to hand them over this step-by-step -step guide and on how to do something that you've done, you know, previously in your business. So what is the best fit for you? Because there's going to be somebody with that skill set, but you got to figure out what that skill set is. If you, if you are looking for somebody who kind of has innately knows what they should be doing, but then you hire somebody who is ready for that step-by-step -step instruction, it's never going to work. And so figuring out where you're at with the delegation process, like, oh, I just need, I need somebody where I can verbally process something and they can take down the notes and they can create a process from it. Find that person. Or again, if you have your, if you already have processes and documentation in place, find the person that has that reading comprehension level and they can just take what you have and, and just improve on it. Yeah. So well said. And the, the other question I have is um, one of the common frustrations I have, you know, me and my colleagues, sometimes we're hanging out over like coffee or beer or, you know, dinner. And they talk about this when they work with somebody and it's kind of like they have this vision in mind and they work with somebody and, um, they talk about this thing where the assistant or the editor comes back to them with like a list of questions and then they answer those questions 
and it's still not clear. And so there's more questions. So that, that back and forth um, kind of decreases the efficiency. What is your best piece of advice for situations like that? Is it the owner not communicating well, or is it the um, the um, VA or the editor needs more training? What's, what's going on there? Because that back and forth really eats into a lot of things. That's a great question. It's going to really largely depend on how long their working relationship has been, right? So if they're new out of the gate, it should be pretty normal for them to ask more questions at the very beginning of things yeah. and kind of feel out what those expectations are on both sides. Um, but if it's just question after question after a lengthy time of working together, that that can be quite an issue and probably something that definitely needs to be addressed. <laughs> so um, the best course of action for any question that a contractor, you know, uh, somebody that you hire to help you in whatever manner is that any question that they ask of you, they should be documenting, right? Create on their end some kind of procedure manual so they have this documentation to look on based off of preference and whatever whatever the case may be. So then they're not constantly asking questions as time goes on, because as you as as somebody gets into that role longer, they should be able to get a little bit more proactive and do a little bit more research. It is, there's people who are born with this kind of proactiveness and the resourcefulness where they can probably find a lot of what they're doing on Google, on YouTube, resources abound, right? Yeah. And then there's people who don't have that resourcefulness and they kind of lean onto the person that hired them to answer all the questions that they have. So ultimately it's on the person who's been hired, it's it's on them really to be able to collect as much information as possible at one time. So then they're not consistently bothering or taking the time up of their client. But it's also the client's responsibility for them to talk about their expectations. And, and if they have more information that they need to give, to try and do that up front. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then maybe it's like kind of like time to move on or change. Cause uh, you know, uh, like I had a VA and editor two or three years ago and um, it was like, you know, you answer the question and you kind of be proactive in what they're thinking and you just put it, and then they came back with even more questions. And, and then, so I switched to software now, AI software now, and it's just, it's, it's a lot cheaper and it's more efficient and, you know, get things get done. Uh, which brings me to my next question is where do you see this area of virtual assistant and AI? Is AI going to replace them? Are they going to coexist? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. That is a great question. And one that my industry specifically is, you know, there's both sides. People are freaking out about it. Other people are welcoming it with open arms, right? Uh, I believe that there's always going to be opportunities for humans to be supporting other people in business and wherever. I believe there's going to be just advancements in technology where there's some niches that it just may make way more fiscal sense to utilize an AI program versus somebody else like like the the editing for example you know video video editing or uh whatever the case may be however um and that's more like along the technology side of thing 
However, there's so many other areas where people want either that human connection. So if like if virtual assistants are doing more on the customer service base or they're kind of that gatekeeper between their client and their clients, um, it's really hard for AI to take that on without some kind of, without it feeling too robotic. Writing, copywriting, there's so many programs out there via EA where copywriters are feeling threatened or at risk for, you know, losing their jobs. But ultimately, there's always going to be an, a human element that people are going to want. And as AI continues to increase, that distinction is just going to get more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. And so there's always going to be people who are going to want more of that human touch, human element, human voice that AI can't provide. That's interesting. And I've, I've heard instances where there's agencies and kind of they like there's, I'm sure such as there's agency and then they have their team of VAs and they kind of go and um, get the, the clients and the, the contracts and the projects and they kind of divvy it up with among the VAs. Uh, and also like they also know how to use AI so they can use their mm -hmm. AI tools with the VAs and kind of make it very efficient so um, absolutely and we use the ai programs um for some tasks specifically which is only a benefit to our clients because as we are time-based ultimately it just means that we'll have more time to do other tasks to take off their plate yeah i love that uh, so you know i love this question and you know we talked about ai but what are some other trends developments um that you think will shape the future of your industry and what's your perspective on, you know, your current state and where everything's going? With the increase in virtual assistants becoming more mainstream, um, I would like to think that in the future, whether that's the near future or not, um, there would be some kind of standardization that comes with our industry. So especially over like, you know, the last three years, Everybody and their mother wants to become a virtual assistant. And virtual assistant itself has become this huge umbrella term where anything that could be done remotely could potentially be construed as a virtual assistant, which makes things a really blurry. So when somebody says, oh, I need to hire a virtual assistant, maybe, maybe not. We have no idea, right? Because there's so many things that could be categorized as that. So like even like a podcast editor some people might be calling themselves virtual assistants or virtual uh, VA editor, uh, whereas that was its own role. I've had graphic designers call themselves graphic design virtual assistants. So it's just become kind of just this smorgasbord of all of these different types of jobs that are ultimately like freelancing or whatever. Um, and so with the interest in working from home and the uh, that parallels these already uh, you already have experience with admin uh there's always going to be this question of quality you know with really any kind of industry that kind of pops up and really grows as, as well as ours did so hopefully that standardization comes into play like any industry there's going to be people who really st shine and stand out versus people who do not provide a great service um and so 
for us, like we're always looking to, again, utilize programs and um, up-level the skill sets of our VAs to ensure that what skill set we have to offer our clients is applicable and we are able to do things efficiently and that they feel that the the value that they receive from the VA that they have is well worth the cost of it. Yeah, that's my my hope and goal though, is some kind of standardization to the industry. Yeah, and how how can people find out more about your um, work and the thing, your social media and your company? Sure. Our website uh, for people who are looking for virtual assistance is virtualkathy.com. That's Kathy with a C. And um, we also have an education branch for people who are interested in learning to become virtual assistants, which is virtualkathyacademy.com. Um, and then you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook under the, your virtual Kathy. Yeah. And uh, for all the audience out there, let's thank Kathy for coming on. Give her a like and follow on her social media. Check out her company website. And with that, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.